0: All right, welcome back to the Hosts Podcast, a podcast all about HBO's Westworld. I'm Doug Norrie, that is... James Davis. We're going to be discussing episode six, The Adversary, which premiered uh, Sunday on HBO. Buddy, this show is it's starting to dial it up a little bit. Starting heating to, up, my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are heating up, to put the old... Uh, whatever game that was NBA jam. NBA jam, jam dude. Yeah, sorry. I got it. I got it. It took me a second. Um all right, let's just dive right into it because there's a lot going on here. This the last two episodes have been much more action sort much more action packed, plot driven, I think than we had gotten from the previous ones which were clearly more world building/character slash building on, you know, number of different levels. But first reactions to the adversary and what it sort of like does for the show's landscape in general. Did you have the same kind of like whoa feeling as I did?
1: I did. I mean, you know, Westworld still has this ability to sort of, you know, move plot forward, kind of like tightening a vice or something, where Mm -hmm. it's not clear. Like, it's not just nonstop car chases and gunshots and stuff like that, but you know, it's the tension continues to build and the tension continues to build across of a number of different storylines. So yeah, there's a lot to talk to today.
0: I think like the biggest arc coming through this episode was the Bernard Elsie. Sherlock Holmes Hardy Boys mystery that they're trying to solve um <laughs> sure where you know with the relay that had been in the the Carver guy's arms and then that they kind of thought oh this thing is going out and broadcasting data to a remote satellite to parts unknown and they sort of start investigating it a couple things I thought were interesting here though I'm wondering if you know what stood out to you from a Bernard like where do you see Bernard like he sometimes i think bernard's a robot <laughs> first of all um some, yeah well I,
1: I think there's a lot of compelling evidence from this episode that that might actually be real you joke but that could be a thing
0: well okay what is the, let's start there then what's some of the evidence that you saw i saw a couple there's a couple things but i'm wondering if it's the same for you
1: sure um well so there there's a couple of things well so the first one is that bernard that ford knows about bernard's affair with Teresa. yes um If they're tracking hosts all over the place, then it would make sense that he would know what's going on with Bernard specifically, although, you know, and Teresa happens to get thrown into the mix. The other one, and I have to give credit to the folks on Reddit for this, but um, was the way Ford intervened when his host dad was going to hurt Bernard. Um, Breaking down that scene, as some people have, it's pretty compelling that, you know, Ford got some sort of alert that there was host-on-host violence in there, and then, kind of like froze them and then showed up instantly because he wasn't in the room, obviously when Bernard first came in and just sort of appeared mm. and used voice commands to turn everybody down. Um So I just find that to be very, very strange. Um There's a lot of conspiracy theories about Bernard right now, but I'm pretty compelled by a lot of them. And, and I wonder if, uh I wonder if Bernard is just a host with his intelligence turned all the way up.
0: Yeah, no, that actually, that scene where Phil, so that was an interesting thing. Um, Bernard goes on that hunt for host, like unregistered, I believe was unregistered hosts in the park, and yes. he shows up at that country house with that boy that we've seen sort of coming in and out of different scenes that right, turns out to be the boy Robert. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That I had thought originally was just a younger version of Ford. Um it's so, and it is. That's what they said. Right, exactly, from that first episode. And the actually the freezing thing is really interesting. I hadn't actually read that part about that, like they sort of time stamped it and then he caught up with them. Because I, I was more under the impression like Ford is just really good about knowing where Bernard is all the time. Like it'd be some kind of coincidence that he just happened to be in that house at the same time. So I hadn't thought about the part where they actually freeze time, but I just thought the part where oh, there's an alert that Bernard is getting a host is getting too close to this thing that I never want a host to get close to, you know? And there's like some kind of just alert message that gets Hopkins over there. I mean, because like Anthony Hopkins is a little guy, like you can't imagine him sprinting down the hallway, you know? Yeah, lickety split. (laughs) Well,
1: and and I think too. Um, you know, the host did seem to have, and we've seen hosts are able to punch guests and things like that. But in this case, the host was able to put his hands on Bernard and like look like he was really seriously going to hurt him. And you just wonder if his like. This is not a host, don't kill him. Instinct wasn't going off in that moment, you know,
0: right? Exactly. So, yeah, I think there's mounting evidence, or at least they and this one, the mounting evidence of Bernard being a host. I see, I think there's like there's some Easter eggs that I think the show has wanted us to try to figure out, you know, early on. This doesn't seem like one that they wanted to be too overt about, but it's just kind of coming along slowly. Um, again, I and we had discussed it a couple of podcasts ago where we had said, you know, he had had the uh, his his child had died, and whether that was really uh, that was like his own little reverie, maybe, or his own little memory that had been implanted, and in, in, in for his um, just to give him backstory. But th- yeah, this one seems to be really, really gaining legs with uh, with Bernard too. So it's also interesting too, because if he's a host, and what are like if he were at a, it actually doesn't even matter who he if he's a host or not. Like his goal of sort of just uh, collecting information on this mystery of who is giving information throughout the park you know is this a thing that you does this, does this storyline actually intrigue you at all like this part of who's doing this thing I, at first it was I, it was interesting to me then it kind of wasn't and then it kind of dialed back in for this episode
1: i guess i find it somewhat interesting i mean it was a pretty tense moment when elsie called bernard and he was in the room with teresa and it turns out that teresa is one of the people accessing uh this remote broadcast system uh that So yes, I I am intrigued as to where that's headed. Um, I continue to think that Elsie is just the most ham-fisted and sort of uh, unappealing character on the show (laughs) for a number of reasons. Actually, I would like to start a a segment on our podcast here where we like the most the comical continuity error of the week in Westworld because it's just become an ongoing theme and and it really doesn't bother me about the show. Like I still love the show and (laughs) I just don't care that there's these little things going on in it, but um (laughs) The great Reddit post, 5,000 upvotes this week, was the flashlight of the future is three flashlights. (laughs) (laughs) Elsie just gets her three flashlights stacked on top of one another to go search around. And again, the comically... Uh, spooky theater with the clown masks and stuff. See, but. for me, there's
0: actually a new leader in the Westworld clubhouse of worst character, which I'm gonna get to in a little the bit. Guy, the guy oh, yeah, all over Oh them. yeah, yeah, we're gonna get to that. In a, <laughs> we're gonna get to that in a little bit. Um, that one, he is, he's really entering the pantheon of just really something else. Well, um, so one thing, I, one scene I love, and this is, I, I don't want to like just make just spend the whole time making fun of the show, but the scene where Bernard goes to the basement level, and he just goes into the classic hollywood cast abandoned basement where it's like okay what are we some my
1: notes too flickering lights we need in the elevator, flickering question lights mark, question mark, question
0: mark. we definitely need some <laughs> dripping water like we definitely need some dripping water coming from pipes we definitely need to be like this is a billion not billion god this is like a trillion dollar facility and they're like you know what forget it dude just leave all the stuff there leave the stuff up on the walls leave some of the lights on lock it off who cares? Just like so – that was like such a cliche basement to enter. Um, and then somehow like with water dripping over years and years and lights flickering, the computer still fully functional, which I found to be uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, but the old Westworld logo. One thing it that's interesting, I don't know if you, if you notice in the background, he walks by a character um, and there's a, there's a character standing along the wall, a host, stand, an old host standing on the wall. If you look at that scene, that host that's standing against the wall is like an exact replica of the movie version of the man in the black hat and whoa, really? yeah like I mean, that's what i took it to be i watched it twice and it looked like it looked very much like that and i've not read anything about that online so i to someone i could be wrong about this or i could have just been seeing things but there was if you go back and watch that scene he, there's they, there's one character in the background and it's a guy in a black hat and it looks exactly like the yule brenner character from the movie so i don't know if that like actually means anything or if this was like a section of the park that was just sort of locked down after that first failure you know what i mean like this is the part that this is kind of where it went wrong um this place has just been locked down. We kind of moved on with our lives, and we didn't access it there. So, anyway, I I don't know if it took anything greatly away from the scene, except that I just love the I just love the classic TV show basement kind of TV movie show basement.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, right. I I'm totally on board with all that stuff. Uh, back to actually analyzing what's going on. Um, I think it's you know we're gonna try and figure out who is actually against whom. Like that is still not totally clear to me. So like Teresa is accessing this. Satellite uplink thing, which we know now is sending voices out, and we think somehow she's in cahoots with Arnold, and again broadcasting those messages, even perhaps directly into the host's heads, um, or into their consciousness, I guess. But we still don't know what their motivations are entirely. And I guess it would also be pretty surprising if, because you know, we've had kind of had this triangle put together where it's like there's Ford, and there was Arnold, and then there was the money people early on. But Teresa has also you know, been classified as one of the money people. But now she's like kind of working with Arnold potentially. So, you know, it, the, the motivations are still pretty ambiguous. But um, I think actually the Arnold motivations are becoming more and more interesting to me, um, both, you know, from the Mays perspective and also from kind of this creepy stuff going on with Ford's fake family that Arnold made for him as a gift.
0: OK, well, right. Well, so what do you see Arnold's this Arnold? I don't even, I don't even know the, the idea of Arnold. What do you see the idea of Arnold's motivations being then?
1: Well, okay, so I'll I'll take it into another kind of piece of powerful imagery that we got here, which was the case of this dog getting killed Mm -hmm. and boy Robert talking to grown-up Robert about why that had to happen. And uh, this was, you know, so of course a classic metaphor here is uh, putting the dog down, right? Like this is something that, uh, it's like a saying, right? It's like, oh, it's just passes time. You got to put him down. Well, let's put this thing down, you know, kill Mm -hmm. it before it dies, that sort of thing. And Uh, When Robert confronts boy Robert about what happened, uh, so the scene goes, he says, I need you to tell me what happened. Well, I saw a rabbit, and it ran. I found it like that. Then he puts it into analysis and says, are you lying to me? Well, yes. Tell me what really happened. I killed it. Why? I don't know. That's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. He eventually goes on to say that Arnold's voice told him, quote, he told me it was a killer. It wasn't his fault. It was made that way, and I couldn't help it. Help it? Well, if it was dead, it couldn't hurt anything anymore. I thought this was pretty powerful like almost a direct threat to Ford is how I interpreted it. Like, um, you know, Ford is made this way, that this is how he kind of operates and, you know, that Arnold has disapproved of him all along and that, you know, this is like a warning sign. Like, you know, if if you're a killer and, and you're made this way, like this could be you next, you know? Um, and so this tension of like, who really is the God of Westworld? Is it Robert who can continually uh, shut things down and make everyone freeze on a drop of a dime? Or is it actually Arnold who controls the subconscious of a lot of these robots in a way that even Ford finds unpredictable. So um, yeah, I find that whole story to be really where, where the battle is headed.
0: Well, it's really interesting to see the conflict play out with intermediaries like Dolores or, you know, boy, I like, Mm -hmm. like, we just keep saying boy, Robert, it just sounds so weird, but um, the, uh, like that the intermediaries are working like, That both camps possibly see these see these hosts as like their as being on their side or quote their side or whatever it is. Um, like Dolores Ford thinks that you know Dolores is his to kind of control and and same with the boy. Whereas and now he's just watching his watching maybe possibly his worst nightmare come playing out through these characters as you slowly. I mean that's what happens with parents too. Like you slowly lose control of your of your kids or Uh, not not necessarily control of your kids, but you lose the power to influence them maybe in the ways that you want to, either positively or negatively, depending on your parenting mm-hmm. style. <laughs> um, But the, uh, like as you slowly lose control and it slowly dawns on you that someone else is controlling or just the world in general has gotten away from you. This is, it's, it's clear to me that it's playing out in that way through those two. And I didn't, I mean, it was new this week to see it play out through the boy who actually was kind of an awesome way to look at the old style, the old first mm-hmm. generation hosts and how they were different than the, than the, uh, than the current ones, like the way his face opened up, um, in turn, right. like in that, in that room. But, um, yeah, it just, it's, a, it, this is, this is like a kind of a conflict that you don't see typically played out in a lot of other different ways where it's like, well, I don't really know who the other guy is, but it's getting played out through these two other host characters.
1: Yeah. I think that's absolutely in play here. Um, another additional layer layered onto this that I read, and this is like in the deeper realm of internet theories, but is that Bernard is actually just a replica of Arnold, um, that he is actually just a host version of Arnold himself. And the, uh, the compelling evidence for this is, you know, again, sort of his robotic nature and, um, you know, the, his kind of interest in bringing the host on as more human. Um, and this, the conspiracy theory put forth that the conversations we see between Bernard and Dolores, which we know actually happen on the same time frame as the William and Teddy time frame, or, uh, I'm sorry, William and Logan timeframe. That that's actually just Arnold having those conversations with Dolores, and that's um, the initial, you know, sort of trajectory towards this uh, ongoing battle is Bernard, aka Arnold, going behind Ford's back and letting Dolores sort of come online, um, and that kind of leads to the whatever the critical failure was, and then Arnold dies or just comes back online as this Bernard Hosty guy, uh, and the story takes off from there but but I was I was particularly compelled by Bernard's conversations with Dolores as happening you know on mm-hmm. some totally separate timeline
0: well he also makes a mention that Bernard does makes a mention to Elsie in this in this in this uh episode where he mentions something along the lines of like I've been here forever right or I've been, been here a long time I've been yeah. here a long time and that that's sort of just I know it's not specific but if you've been there a long time and you kind of know all the things that happened yeah I think that one Probably well, again, Bernard
1: never heard of Arnold, right? Like, well, that's, that's, the, most, the, that, thing. Right. that's <laughs> the most, right.
0: <laughs> that was the biggest indictment. We even thought that at the time. we like, we kind of right. made fun of it at the time because it made no sense. We're like, wait a second. Everyone here kind of knows about Arnold, right? And the fact that he wouldn't know, or this would be the, or his you know, memory was wiped clean or whatever, um, and it's new sort of new information for him. In the, in the, in the moment with that original scene with Ford, it made no sense at all.
1: Yeah, but if he's like a secret host that's programmed and kind of kept on the side, but one that can crush the application process and rise up to this point of prominence to even give Ford more access than he already has, then, yeah, he doesn't know who Arnold is, but Ford just, like, you know, writes in this memories for him, you know. Like, we see parallels with that in the Maeve storyline where the tech is explaining to her sort of how this all works, which is, well, we can erase memories, we can implant memories, you know. um, And if that's the case with Bernard, then sure, give him a compelling backstory, you know. Uh, plant him to spy on the people you don't trust like there's a lot going on there
0: yeah if you're trying to keep tabs on if you want to, if you're a guy like Ford and you want to keep tabs on both the inner inside and the outside it makes perfect like it would be almost out of Ford's character to not have more tabs on the inside workings of it like that would kind of not make sense considering the level of control he seems to want to exhibit within the Westworld itself if you had the ability to get, exhibit the same kind of control within your own you know f- home offices as well why wouldn't you just take the opportunity, right? Like it would be, it would almost be weird for us, everything, with everything we know about Ford at this point, it'd be weird for him to not want total control of that aspect as well. And uh, it's funny speaking of control or just in terms of what people know going on in the world, read that. You read it to me offline. Read the quote um, about the Maeve storyline with the two, uh, like Felix, those two engineers.
1: It's another West World uh, Westworld Reddit gem where again, in the old continuity problems area, but it says, we know everything about the people in our park. Except for these two blistering idiots playing with a host in an all-glass room, <laughs> I was like, eh, "Fair enough, leave us alone. Let us." <laughs> the storyline's interesting, so they didn't go into a dark corner,
0: right? You gotta, yeah. There are no dark corners, so without dark corners, we just need to have everyone turn a blind eye and just have that be okay, or just let like the offices shut down for that moment. The Maeve thing is is, is was cool because you know, clearly at this point, she can't commit suicide uh, within her timelines, but she can have sort of guests do it for her. <laughs> and it was a little All bit right. creepy to see that that playing out as she's actively trying to die so she can get back to the lab and talk to this guy who luckily just seems mm-hmm. to be her handler. He's the guy that gets her every time on the rebound. But um, what do you see? I mean, it sort of, it seems like the ultimate form of consciousness to be able to take your own life, I guess. Like, that's always that's always a big thing with, it was like, I mean, not like this is a comparison, but like within like the Terminator franchise, like one of their prime directors what he just couldn't, simply couldn't kill himself. Like robots just aren't programmed to ever be able to do that. But when mm-hmm. you're getting to that point where you can even have someone else do it for you, is this like her, I mean, is she fully conscious now? Would you say? Like, is she a full AI being that's fully conscious?
1: Well, that's certainly what they're at, wanting us to ask ourselves. Um, there's certainly plenty of evidence that, Especially with them now accessing like her D and D stats or whatever, <laughs> like where they're like saying they can turn up her intelligence past fourteen, um, you know, and, and all those other different stats, charisma and uh, manipulation. I can't remember all of them now, but um, I did, and I'll speak to whether I think she's fully or conscious, fully conscious or not in a second. But I did think there was so much going on here that's worth unpacking. I thought one of the most mind blowing scenes was. Her watching that computer that had her thought tree in front of it and kind of how she short circuited because she couldn't even mm-hmm. like comprehend what was going on. Um, that, that I don't did that scene strike you the same way? It was an amazing
0: visual, like it was just it an really amazing. Was it, it was an amazing. Vi- this, this, this episode was chock. I don't know if I, I forgot to look, I meant to look up who the director of this episode was, and I will in a second. This, this episode strictly from a visual standpoint basement flickering lights aside was probably their best one I thought um just in terms of it was just it, mm. to me it was shot differently than some of the other ones but anyway the um, the the yeah, that, that that tree of just processes shutting down was just the coolest possible way you could visualize a brain working you know? <laughs> like um, right. like and it, I don't know that doesn't see that seems to be like something they really thought out and then were able to digitize I just thought I thought it just looked awesome in terms of just to see how yeah, like this is how you can just short circuit and this is how a host can actually just shut itself down.
1: Well, and this is like you can picture this being how the singularity is reached where, you know, the host is com- capable of comprehending this meta version of herself where she's like, how did they get access to my dreams? And the text says, those aren't your dreams. Like that was your old role. And she's understanding how they're recast and she's really getting a sense of everything. And um, and then we we also get a big nugget that they didn't emphasize that much in the show, but that is has huge implications for Westworld writ large, which is that the tech acknowledges that the hosts are actually capable of processing at a higher level than mm-hmm. human beings are. Yep. Um, this is something that you know futurists have warned against for quite some time, which is like just where computers are headed. Like assuming that the hardware can keep up, like there will be computers with the processing power of a human soon. But then the next year they'll have like the processing power of the whole human race, you know. <laughs> and if these hosts are somewhere between that. That timeline, then we could see this new super Maeve, with her intelligence turned all the way up, really start to do some truly insane things, like you know, essentially playing life chess with everyone, understanding everyone's motivations. Like, she could wind up being just a godlike figure within in the context of the park.
0: Right, and it's and it's funny when we when we thought the timelines were all the same timeline, I think we probably assumed that was going to be like the Dolores character, right? Like it was going to be, mm-hmm. or at least I did. I assumed that that was where we were going with Dolores. But now that right. we're, we're of, it seems like we're of the same mind that these are different timelines to have Maeve be like the harbinger of just, I don't know, the robot takeover <laughs> or whatever it was going to be. Um, it makes sense, especially when, because it, it won't be long till she can access, though she can access the reprogram on her own, right? Like, Or that they, she can, and then, t- and then subsequently teach others how to Like, we don't need these guys to ramp our consciousness up to 100,
1: you know? Well, right. As as soon as she realizes how those programs are made and how – mostly how the signals are sent from – because they're communicating on some sort of Wi-Fi level, right? Um, You know, whatever technology they actually use, telemetry or or who knows. But um, as soon as she hacks that, then she can just program all the hosts in the park, you know?
0: Right. Then it's just kind of all over, which is – probably where we're heading or where there will be some kind of confrontation, hopefully some kind of confrontation where it's going to just be... Because eventually, what it mostly boils down to is just human versus robots. The whole show on its level is just that, right? The human versus the robot and that's going to be it. There's really no other... I mean, there's a little bit of human versus human, though... The more, especially if Bernard's not even human, we get very few very even human compelling ca- characters except for Ford and the Man in Black, and I guess p- possibly Arnold. For
1: <laughs> um, well, sure, William and Logan potentially, but yeah, I think... Well, that's I was right assuming they me, were I the think, same guy.
0: I, I, was, I was mostly just assuming William and right, Man in Black were the same um, guy, so.
1: And so I think that the... Uh, this trend and we'll maybe we should flesh that out for people listening to to this episode is the first one uh that yeah we're right now we're of the opinion that william and the man in black are are the same person on different timelines but um yeah i think that's right on and i think what makes westworld so interesting is that past iterations of this robot versus humans question have usually had those be the two pretty distinct sides and maybe there's like uh the rogue central planning type who wants the robots to sort of take over but in this one, we're actually they're they're more emphasizing the robot's humanity and the robot's ability to, you know, essentially they're coming becoming on or becoming aware of their own enslavement to these human beings, yep. and so you really can resonate with them quite a bit. I think. I mean, even uh like Teddy's character and you know uh, certainly Dolores for sure and Maeve and then like that other prostitute whose name I don't know uh, that Maeve hangs out with all the time. Like these hosts are very very well-written and it's interesting because like a lot of the humans in the show are poorly written by the actual human beings that write the show, oh, <laughs> but my God. the humans in the show who are so poorly written actually write really interesting and compelling hosts. For us to digest, so it's this really weird uh, sort of
0: meta issue. Well, let me but. just go into that for a second because I don't want I definitely don't want to end the show on this guy. But the no, character, first. the character Lee, who is the um, you know the planet, like sort of the um, he's the scripter. He kind of like dreams big about the world. He was got to
1: Lee Sizemore, My plot was in my heart was
0: in that plot. That has guy. there ever been a stupider scene in the? I'm not, maybe I'm not going to go full history because I haven't seen every TV show ever. But the part where the girl at the bar, the woman at the bar. Ends up being the board member that now is like, Hey, I know you just took a huge piss all over this thing, like, but i'll see you later guess yeah. what we're still considering you for the job, you know what I mean like that makes no sense like I just don't even get, I, it, was, it didn't ruin the show for me, but it was just like there's no possible scenario where this thing makes any sense, and I get we're not supposed to like that character anyway, so they're not going for you know likability with his with, with this dude but you don't need to – you don't also just need to take it to like the total opposite end of the spectrum and just make him just this totally unbelievable guy that gets so drunk and just pisses all over the stuff and then has not only no consequences for it, possibly in line for a promotion. You know, <laughs> like it just doesn't – it yeah, was so no, dumb. unfortunately
1: that made literally no sense. Um, like even the scene, even just the part where he like flirts with her at the bar and then we turns out that she's more than she is already is kind of like lazy writing from my perspective. Totally. But the issue – the part where he, like, pees all over the display and all that stuff, like, I guess if that's the last scene he's ever in, I can sort of tolerate it. Like, if we just never have to see him again because he kind of goes out with a bang, still unbelievable. It would be like national news if something like that happened in real life. And the fact that, like, they – that everyone's not flipping out, that security's not tackling him, like, (laughs) that people are not doing more than just look at him with mild disgust is, like – It's the dumbest moment in the show so far. No question about it.
0: Right. That idiotic scene aside, which is um, obviously so dumb, Teresa does seem to, for reasons that aren't totally clear right now, wants to promote Lee to Ford's position, I guess, was the implication there. And through, you know, she's been the proxy for the board. This person is a board member um, that's come in to meet with him to discuss his role in the company, peeing on things aside. So what do you, I mean, do you have a motivation for Teresa? She seems... She's a tough one. The The reason I find her difficult to peg down is because, like, there's this outside world where the board exists. And I just have no idea what that outside world is like. And so because you don't know what that outside world is like at all, either from – I mean, you don't know anything about it, right? Like, you don't know its economics. You don't really know – I mean, they've they alluded to the idea that there's not aren't that many problems out in the world now, you know, with disease and things like that. Yeah, sure. Um, but beyond that, this – the board is almost – more mysterious to me than like a character like Arnold, because you just don't, they keep referring to the board. You probably don't think that their intentions are in line with the characters we like, but I just have like literally no idea what's going on with that group of people.
1: Sure. So I I think I have Teresa potentially pinned down on some motivations here. So, um, and actually, and this, it would make sense why she's kind of channeling her inner Arnold here. Like if you take Arnold as, you know, the possibilities for who or what Arnold is now are pretty vast um, from both a physical guy who's still living in this maze, and we can talk about that too, I'm sure, um, to something, you know, you know, more science fiction-y, like his consciousness lives on in a machine, to something a little bit more straightforward, like, you know, you can still access the code that Arnold wrote, but maybe it's not like a fully functioning host in the way Mave is. It's like this 30 years old piece of technology um, that still has access to, you know, like a hack or a patch you can write onto these hosts or whatever to make them do weird things. Um, But if we think back to Arnold's initial motivations, like why did he get himself killed inside the park? Um, A lot of that was because he seemed to feel like the park was flying too close to the sun, like it was doing something that it shouldn't be doing. And particular, he in particularly rather, he was uh, in opposition to Ford. Uh, Now we flash forward to the. A future and we have Teresa. Teresa very plainly doesn't like Ford one bit. Right? Right. Um, and we have the scene early on where they had to recall a bunch of the hosts because, ostensibly because it was Ford's patch, this reverie that was causing the problems. Well, what if that was just a convenient excuse to blame Ford for all these new problems and kind of cast him as this like out of touch old timey guy who's causing all these problems in the park. Mm-hmm. And so now Teresa's like, you know, accessing this Arnold piece and being like, Oh, well, if we can actually accomplish what Arnold just set out to originally, which is basically to kill Ford's credibility, then we can just get him out of the picture once and for all. And we can write like the the stupid Indian stories and, you know, just really cash in on what people actually like about our park, which is going black hat for two weeks or whatever. Um, And we could just be done with Ford altogether. So I kind of feel like Teresa's motivation. And this uplink and the, the secret Arnold, the way Arnold's being used, is mostly an attack on Ford and to try to get him out of the picture once and for all. Yeah,
0: because it seems like, too, she's probably – she's scared on him. I think she's just like physically scared of him, too, after seeing sort of the power that he can wield. They made it pretty clear that last episode when she was eating lunch with him and that oh, he yeah. – just straight up threatened her. I wouldn't even say it was an implied threat. And sure, the, uh, like she's
1: never setting foot in the park again, right? Like she'd no have chance. to be insane to go in there,
0: right? No chance. So um, it's just it is funny. I just do get a little confused when I can't envision the world outside of Westworld. So like I just don't know. Like that you know this was the this is kind of the thing that happened with lost for a while where you just like couldn't figure out the Dharma initiative just cause you had no idea. You just like you just legit had no idea. Like what they were I'm just... not sure you ever figured that out. Even if you watched that show to the
1: Fair end. Fair enough. For
0: sure. Right. Yeah. But like you just were always just like, what the freak are these guys doing? But at least you could see them like, but the board you just this group of people. And then they send, you know, their young, presumably their youngest representative. I can't imagine there's any younger people. Well, on she's the, the executive. That's what they said. She's the executive chair of the board, but she also might still be the youngest person. We don't know. Um, after, so real quick about the uplink thing with uh, with Elsie. Who do you think grabs Elsie at the end?
1: Oh, I have no idea. Uh, probably a host would be my guest.
0: Um, what, I, was, what, I was trying to think if there was any characters we didn't see at all. Like, if there was any characters that we weren't f- kind of fully uh, accounted for. Because, I mean, again, you can, you can can, you can introduce new characters like this by having them grab people, but I was also just trying to think if we had just sort of not accounted for somebody that might have been because it's not no, totally actually not totally clear that like the grabbing of her was a malicious intent either at the end. Like this could be right. like yeah. I, I think it was purposely unclear about whether she was being straight up abducted or was just you know kind of like I'm gonna grab you but just be quiet and I'll tell you the truth kind of thing. Um, I yeah they're listening right exactly. right exactly oh yeah great call right like yeah shh sh- there's cameras everywhere but you know they're gonna know so I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if the person or entity that grabs her at the end is possibly a friend. Um with the same motivation because like there's right now there's lots of people that know what's going on, but we also, if you think about it, there really aren't that many characters, all things considered. And a lot of them are accounted for right at this point. Like we know, you know, we know where the man in black is and, and, and Teddy, we, we know that it's not Bernard. We know it's not Teresa. We know it's not, um, the Ashley, the guy who runs security. So after that, it's either it's probably it's either someone new or I don't know. So it's not totally clear that it's uh, yeah.
1: Depending on the timelines, my my suspicion I, r- I really do strongly think it's a host. Um, and I don't know who or what, but it just kind of has that feel to it, and that's just where my gut tells me. Because also, like if it's an abandoned theater, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a, a lot of great reasons for an employee to be heading there all the time. And maybe they don't track their employees as well as they track their hosts. But uh, yeah, that was just kind of my guess. But we'll see. We'll find out. I'm sure.
0: And then finally, we get Man in Black with Teddy. They they sort of they head to Pariah, but then they sort of, I think they skirt around the city. Um, yeah. You know, the Pri. What's interesting too is they head to Pariah right at the time that we see uh, Dolores and William leave in the last episode, and Teddy and the Man in Black walk into Pariah. I don't know if that was just a coincidence in timelines, but I didn't necessarily take it to be that like one group. Now again, if you're if you're not subscribing to the double timeline theory, then. It would be a nice way for them to like not overlap if they were to be in the same area at the same time. Anyway, I didn't think that was a coincidence that they sort of headed to that town at the same one episode later. But they go around it and run into conflict with the Union soldiers who they who identify Teddy as not being against Wyatt but with Wyatt, and then that right. sparks the sparks the memory on Teddy's part where he just laid waste to that entire town. Do you think Teddy knew that before they said it to them, or like that just made him remember?
1: Well, this is a one of the core things we're seeing in Westworld is this ability for verbal triggers to kind of bring memories to life. And actually this was another theory I read online that, uh, that Ford is kind of bringing alive these memories in Bernard's son by mentioning it. And cause like when Bernard has these flashbacks, it's always at Ford's prompting basically, like it doesn't occur to him naturally. So, you know, Basically these so the idea is that these characters, the hosts, that their storylines can be off in any number of different tangents, but that other hosts can be sent in and kind of like prime the pump and be like, When you were back in that town with Wyatt, and it's like, oh right. Yeah. I was back in and it accesses that memory, right? Um and that's like why the man in black triggers Teddy by talking about Dolores, right? He brings up Dolores and you know, that that signals to the host that, okay, this is one of my Dolores loops or something, right? Uh so we don't know for sure what's going on there, but I, I do believe, I do think that Teddy knew that. Yes, um, I do think that he was conscious of it in this existing storyline. You know, to what e- extent that makes a difference, I'm not sure. But yeah, I do that think that could be in play here.
0: He he does the old can't leave one guy behind, or else that person will come back and get me at the end <laughs> with the Gatling gun. I think it's called the Gatling gun. I'm not a weapons expert, but um, oh yeah, that was a little bit crazy. Well, it was it was I usually. Well, so one good job by Westworld by cutting down on the shootout style for this game for this this game geez, this this episode uh, where they that this was the only one we got and it actually was sort of a new version of it of the host on host violence but this is where he's has sort of has a plan is like these guys will just follow me forever so better just t-. he he kind of does the man in black style is like let's just take them all out <laughs> and like sort of learning like they, they seem like they're gonna end up being. I don't know, kismet in that way <laughs> because they uh, sort of understand how the hosts are going to continue to track them. I'm not sure how much we learned from this storyline this week except that, you know, William has more of a backstory. I didn't take a ton of aha moments except that I did think there were some cool visuals. Like there's a great visual of them walking through the graveyard um, into Priya, which I thought was just an amazing shot. Probably the, to me like the best shot of the episode. I just found it to be – there was a couple – There's some really, really cool visuals and that was kind of it for that storyline for me.
1: Well, I think the big reveal that the Man in Black stuff did turn us on to this week is kind of learning more about the nature of the maze. And this is something that is obviously where the story is headed for this season, at least, which is what is the nature of the maze? What happens there? Who's there? You know, what what happens when you get there? Like a lot of maze related questions. Um, So we what we learned here is that the native legend is that ostensibly there's a man in the middle of the maze who's been killed over and over again. And then it says, very ambiguously, the man then returns to a time where he vanquished all of his oppressors in a tireless fury. And so, your mind immediately goes to, well, Arnold is in the middle of the maze, right? Um, That Arnold somehow maybe constructed this maze as a way to insulate himself from his would-be oppressors, or, you know, him vanquishing his, his oppressors is what happened in that past iteration of the park. You know, we're not exactly sure what happened there, but... Um, the implication seems to be further and further that, you know, this is the big payoff. If you can get to the middle of the maze, then you find Arnold, then you figure out what's exactly going on and what his end game was all along.
0: Right. And then there's the piece about the maze being complicated. Um, only the- Right. Yeah. He says right.
1: that he would go in and build a maze so complicated that only he could get through it. Um, so, you know, the implication is he, well, maybe the hosts, if he can kind of latch onto their consciousness and, you know, get them to think as he thinks, then maybe they can get through the maze too. And then the question, of course, is like, well, is Westworld itself the maze? You know, or <laughs> is a man's mind the maze? Uh, someone posted again a, a screen cap on Reddit of the maze looking just like a brain scan. Um, that you know, an, an MRI of a brain looks almost exactly like the maze. Was what this person put forth. So there's a lot of different directions the maze could go. I have to say, the nature of the maze for me. Is not the most compelling storyline, but I am actually more and more intrigued by The Man in Black and what his role will be there because, you know, again, you and I kind of operate under the assumption that The Man in the Black and William are the same characters on different timelines um, and that The Man in Black actually is sort of a, a quote unquote good guy. Um, you know, he has this foundation we know about outside of Westworld and, you know, he's in Westworld really just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, possibly because he used to love Dolores. You know, we just, we don't know exactly what's going on there, but um, yeah, I do think that that maze. I think the maze is the big thing that we're going to find out about at the end of this season.
0: Yeah, right. And we and but I I would suspect that the maze just it, like, a good show will either choose to end it there or just have the maze open you up to a bunch of these different questions. Like, can you? Are there other iterations of Westworld that you can then travel to? You know, or there or is it just like this? This is like what you think. Uh, said this uh, well, unlocks all the consciousness. like this is game over style like this is how you win the game in the end like if it, we look at it as a true video game but yeah in in the end i guess that's i, I was joking that it's just going to be like we've been misinterpreting maze it's m-a-i-z-e and it's just like a big <laughs> cornfield corn, yes. yeah, it's just a big cornfield and we're just like hey dude we didn't, no promises about what that maze was you just you just interpret it incorrectly the entire time all right that was episode uh six the adversary We'll be back next week breaking down Westworld, and you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the host podcast. It would do us a huge solid if you could go over and review that podcast. Help us climb up the charts over on iTunes, get more people listening. Always helpful. Otherwise, we'll see you again next week discussing Episode 7. Talk to you soon.
1: Adios.